Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Lady T, and you are listening to Consensus Pod. Here on Consensus Pod, we discuss faith, family, and how to navigate a modern society as a member of the nuclear family structure. Today, I have a very interesting episode for you, especially in a time and a period where the virtue of marriage and the sanctity of marriage has been just decimated and destroyed and turned on its head, made out to be something that it was never intended to. That's right. We are going to get back on this show to the basics. We're going to restore the sanctity of marriage. We're going to restore and uphold the virtues and promote the virtues of marriage. We're also going to promote what a supposed progressive and more intellectual society is trying to stomp out. And that is the union of monogamy or the practice rather of monogamy in relationships that is what we're going to get into today practice of monogamy why it is good for couples for community and for society as a whole so let's roll that music and get to it Ladies and gentlemen, I have a very interesting show for you today, but I'm going to be- begin this show by asking a question. That question is, would you believe me if I told you that there was a direct link between multiple sexual partners and things such as anxiety and depression? Would you believe me if I told you that the more sexual partners a person has, the number he or she is toward an intimate partner, would you believe me if I said that the higher the number of sexual partners a person has, the less satisfied an individual is is in a one-on-one relationship? That, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to discuss today because we are living in a society that is growing further and further away from the virtuousness and the sanctity of monogamy and marriage um, and into everything outside of that. And it takes no farther to see this than to grab your phone or your computer and scroll TikTok. And in doing so, you're going to be introduced to a myriad of videos on poly, uh, I'm sorry, poly, polygamy, polygyny, polyamory, and so on and so forth, where this next generation coming behind us uh, is opting and choosing to have more than one partner at the same time rather than being a monogamous relationship. And before we go all the way off the deep end and just throw monogamy out the window. I wanted to make a case for monogamy and the monogamous relationship, but especially monogamous marriage. And in doing so, I hope that I reach somebody who is considering a multi-partner relationship. And hopefully I can talk some sense into them because the status of your relationship affects you in a myriad of ways that is your uh, physical connection with someone, your emotional, your intimate bonds, your trust in them. And it also can, and especially 
affects your health all over. But people, we I think we all learned to some degree that the more sexual partners you have, the higher the risk for contracting an STD or even worse, HIV, which can develop into AIDS. And the last one, it's hardest to home because I'm African-American and in my community, 60% of all new HIV cases are among black women, okay? So my community especially needs to be aware of the things that we are doing and we we really need to take a closer look at how we're living our lives and the choices that we make and start to make some decisions that will be better for us all around and stop just going with social trends and allowing our hearts to be filled with lust and especially lust of the flesh. I think that is a big one that is problematic in any community right now because we're being sold this lie. And we have for generations that monogamy is, uh, you know, it's boring, it's it's dull, it's oppressive, it's uh, it's toxic and whatnot. And we're so, we've been conditioned over so many years to uh, reject monogamy that now we are accepting polyamory in its place, but doing so without considering the consequences of said action. So I'm going to dive deep into um, the two relationship structures, monogamy versus polygyny and or polyamory, I should say. And I'm going to hopefully draw you guys to this conclusion that I'm going to make, and that is that monogamy is ultimately better for loving, lasting relationships as well as for society as itself, because regardless of what we think, the way that we structure our families has a huge impact, not only on the people involved, but on the communities where they live and society as a whole. We set the standard for the larger society by setting the standards for community. We set the standards for community by setting the standards inside of individual homes inside of those communities. And of course, that sets us, that standard is ultimately set by the structure of the family, which is why um, there's so much chaos in communities that are overpopulated with people from broken homes. So that is um, something that we're going to get into. I want to present to you guys a case of hypersexuality that um, describes kind of the direction that we're going in in society with our addiction to sex, but sex with multiple partners. And that is a case of hypersexuality and compulsive behavior um, recorded in a the Indian Journal of Psychiatry in 2013. A man dubbed Mr. X was seeing a psychologist about his addiction to what he described as genital rubbing. And what this man would do is he would board a train um, several times a day, specifically targeting middle-aged women. And when he was in the 
proud of middle-aged women on the train, he would begin rubbing his genitals onto the woman. And if she protested, then he would back off. But if she didn't, he would continue to rub his genitals on her until he climaxed. And of course, there were consequences for this. He was beaten several times, but he kept doing it because of his addiction. And in the course of reading the report, his case report, you learn that this man, uh, his addiction to sex interfered with every aspect of his life from his marriage to his wife, which he reported no problems with, although he would have intercourse with her the five to six times a day when he was at home. The two of them were living apart because of his job. When we go home, he'd have sex with her five or six times a day and then go and sleep with prostitutes or any number of women. And uh, the more he did this, the less pleasure he got out of actual intercourse. So, of course, he resorted to other means of uh, releasing himself and the genital rubbing became his addiction. But this is the case. This, This type of behavior is what we are seeing an increase in or this type of addiction to sex is what we're going to see an increase in here in the United States. If we keep it the direction that we are going, every aspect of our life is encouraging sexual uh, hypersexuality. And of course, in hypersexuality, you're not hyperly sexual with one person. You're hyperly sexual with as many people as you can get, uh, as you can, you know, you can be, Um, and that's a real problem. This is the greatest issue that I have with the war against monogamy. We act as if sexual discipline, first off, monogamy requires two things. It requires respect for your partner. It requires sexual discipline. Two of those things we're obviously not willing to, um, having a society anymore, especially the latter. We don't want sexual discipline to tell people that they should, they shouldn't spread themselves all over the place like animals is somehow seen as problematic. Now, if I tell you that the greater number of partners you have, the greater increase you, the the greater you increase your chances of developing some sort of STD, especially HIV, then people don't want to hear that anymore. Um, If you describe the psych, how, having multiple partners, especially at once, as in a polyamorous situation, affects the human uh, psyche, then you're called a fanatic or something that people really don't understand that there are consequences for every behavior that we make. And human beings are not meant to, uh, we're not wired for animalistic patterns of breeding. Our children are not like those of lionesses where they, if the father plants a seed and then he roams off for three, four years or whatever, the kids will be fine. No, that's not how we operate. Our kids need contact with their fathers. And of course we see in statistics, what happens when they don't have that, that close bond, that emotional bond with their fathers. That is what we discussed in episode one. Of course, we end up with father hunger. We end up with generations of children being born that suffer uh, behavioral disorders and it reflects out into society. We have hypersexuality because young girls are using their bodies to find the love or attempt to find the love that their fathers are not there to give. We're not meant to 
be and breed like animals. Um, that being said, even some animals don't do that. I was reading uh, about certain species of birds in the context of doing research for this that build lifetime partnerships. They breed for life. So my thing is this, to the generation of people who promote and uh, champion for polyamory, if you do, I have a few questions. One, do you believe that human species, the human race is of higher intelligence than animals? And two, if you believe, if you do believe that, then why are you calling and championing for human beings to act and behave in the same manner that animals behave in? Why are we supposed to accept and reduce ourselves to animalistic urges? Because at the end of the day, once you actually study polyamory, especially with this generation, it doesn't go and proceed past uh, unlimited sexual desires or unlimited sexual pleasure. It's not like it is in these religions where they believe you a man can have more than one wife. And even with those religions, some of them have a cap. You can't have 400 wives. They, they'll tell you you can have four, but you can't have 400. Uh, but the, the polyamory situation is literally about sexual pleasure and desire, and that's it. So what is the opposite? The opposite is monogamy. Monogamy is based on a foundation rooted in trust and commitment and support of two people for life. I don't understand how we've gotten away from that idea, away from that practice to something more animalistic and very um, detrimental to us as human beings in the way that we pair bond and the way that we relate to one another. We have gone too far in society with this idea that sex is supposed to be just an act of pleasure between any two people who are willing to engage in sexual intercourse with one another. We don't, uh, we encourage hypersexuality in our society. We encourage promiscuousness, but then we don't deal with the consequences. We don't deal with things like sex addiction. We don't deal with the depression, anxiety, guilt, hopelessness, helplessness, and shame that people tend to feel when they, when, with the continual rise of the number of sexual partners that they have. We don't even acknowledge that because that is one of the things that was discussed in the uh, case of Mr. X. He was highly anxious. He was highly depressed. He found he, his addiction took over him to the point where he was having trouble concentrating at work. And had he not, uh, been put on a specific medication, he probably would have lost his job. He was on over 60 milligrams of a medicine called, uh, where is it? Uh, anyway, 60 milligrams of his medicine a for an extended period of time, oral fluxotone. And had he not been put on that medicine, he, his condition only would have gotten worse, probably would have progressed. Well, he, who knows what it would have progressed to. He what he did express some type of fear of sexual intercourse after a certain extent because of things like HIV and AIDS, because he wasn't using protection, but then he was still having sex with prostitutes and just anonymous women. So 
even Pat to the point of his own health being in threat, being in jeopardy, this man proceeded to add on to his growing number of sexual partners and do so unprotected, which means when he was having unprotected sex with random women and prostitutes and then laying down and having unprotected sex, I'm assuming with his wife, not only was he jeopardizing his health, but he was jeopardizing hers too. And that's why I tell and encourage people, women especially, don't stay in these situations where you have a partner who is cheating on you because ultimately the risk, uh, the consequences of their actions can and will catch up with you. Um, And no one has a right to play with anyone else's health. No one has a right to play with anyone else's life because HIV is with you for life. There's that's there is no cure for that at this point in time. So the opposite of a uh, polyamorous hypersexual. I'm going to get tired of these people and I really don't want much of a connection with them outside the bedroom. The opposite of that and the answer, I guess you could say a better solution to polyamory would be the thing that we here in the United States are trying to run away from and that is monogamy. It's funny how in the West we're moving further and further away from what actually built this nation, the things, the good aspects of this, uh, the things that contributed to this nation, things like faith and family. And at the center of that monogamy and relationships built um, on one-on-one interpersonal union That's what we're moving away from. And we're moving to the thing that the rest of the world is running away from. And I find it funny like this because we like to look at ourselves as a civil society, a society that has progressed and some other parts of the world is being very barbaric and um, yet we are behaving in a manner that is more barbaric than the rest of the world. We are just, we saw this week as Roe versus Wade was overturned, how American women stormed the streets and in protest against losing what they, against the right or whatever to kill unborn babies. I find that to be very, very disturbing. But anyway, so now onto today's subject. So if polygamy, I don't know, polygamy, monogamy really is a better alternative to polygamy, well, why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked because I have a few different, uh, I'm a bit of a, a information out here that you may not have never heard of. First off, for starters, in nations with monogamous marriages, did you know that we have lower rates of crime of certain types of crimes, especially kidnapping, uh, rapes, and we have less poverty than in places where poly- 
uh, polygamy is widely practiced. Um, particular crimes that we're talking about are particularly gender-based violence against women, you know, rape and uh, violent assault. And that is often done as crazy as it will sound to gain access to women. When I'm thinking about this, I'm actually thinking about the bare branches of China and how polygamy was made illegal there because of the bare branches or the scores of young unmarried men that became very violent. So you had a nation of men that became hostile and violent and were so out of control that the government uh, moved in and sought to militarize these specific men because of how out of control and how much of a threat they were to the rest of the society. So what happened? Well, when you have the top percent of men, the top 1% of men in society, because the wealthy are never the majority, taking all of, or marrying up all the women, then that makes the men who are left have to fight all the much harder for the few women that are actually available. And in those cases, that's how things like kidnappings happen. Um, which reminds me of a cultural practice that although it's illegal, is still practiced in Kazakhstan. So a few years later ago, back when Vice actually used to have good documentaries, I watched a one of its a series episodes on Kazakhstan. In Kazakhstan, the men there, in order to secure wives, most of the time, they target a particular girl and kidnap her, drive her out to remote uh, areas where his family spends days uh, trying to coerce this girl to marry this boy, and it's not good. Why? Because the, the suicide rate among those kidnapped women was going through the roof. Um, but the problem is, Kazakhstan, although it had laws against kidnapping your wife or kidnapping your girl and forcing her to become your wife, um, Kazakhstan would not enforce those laws. It would not arrest the men for kidnapping. And it covered up the growing number of young dead women from suicide after they had been snatched off the street and forced into marriage. So that is the type of a thing that you're dealing with in societies where polygamy is a, I don't know, runs rampant. Also, what you're dealing with, well, what you don't have to deal with in a monogamous society, much, uh, you don't have to deal with much anyway, is a something that I've, I've really been against since I understood what it was, and that was child marriage. In monogamous nations, the age of first-time marriage for women is usually older. Here in the United States, legally, you have to be 18 or older to get married. Now, I'm not stupid. I do I do know uh, that, of course, there are still illegal child marriages that, that occur in the United States, 
the, our illegal child marriage rate is not nearly as bad as the widely accepted uh, practice of child marriage in like Yemen or Afghanistan or Iraq or the dozens of places that it happens in Africa where little girls between the ages of like 11 to 14 um, are have their futures ripped away from them in childhood and they're forced to marry men in their 20s, 30s, and sometimes even older than that. I don't know if you guys remember the story of uh, Najud, but it is one worth going and looking back into. And that, of course, Najud is a was a young girl that was forced to marry when she was 10. And according to the supposed rules of marrying a child in her country, which was Yemen, a man is not supposed to have intercourse with his young bride until she reaches puberty. Well, the problem with that is most girls start puberty at the age of eight. So if she's had her menses at 10, then those grown men start to rape 10-year-old girls, and they call it uh, justifiable because they're married. Najud's mother-in-law literally physically held her down as her son raped her. She was subject to abuse on a daily basis, and the poor little thing couldn't take it anymore, so she ran uh, against her uh, husband's wishes to the court to file for divorce. It was actually the youngest person to file for divorce in that country. I know you guys, this probably is starting to ring a bell by now. And she, of course, was granted her divorce at like the age of 11 or 12 or something like that. So these are the kind of things that we're dealing with in these countries that practice polygamy is younger child mar- or child marriages at higher rates, um, more crime, more violence, particularly against girls and women. Um, higher rates of poverty. Also, we have um, to deal with the fact that in most of those nations, women really don't have, are not granted rights the same way they are here. Here, women can vote, women can not vote, women can work, women can not work, women can go to school, women cannot go to school. But in countries where polygamy is practiced, especially places like Afghanistan, uh, you Female education is not something that's emphasized. I don't know if you guys remember the story of uh, Malala Yousafzai and how she was almost murdered. Uh, how Malala was shot and almost killed by the Taliban for fighting for a girl's rights to go to school in a nation that sees women as uh, important for breeding and nothing more. So thankfully, we don't have that type of problem here. And thankfully for Ms. Yusufazi, she uh, recovered. And she went on to champion for educating girls in her particular nation and around the world. So um, those are just some of the benefits, uh, some of the things that we do not have to worry about in monogamous nations. The bare branches of wild men that become violent and call wreak havoc on society. You're less likely to have issues of child marriage and poverty rates are lower. And of course, uh, the rights of women are are given more freely in nations that practice monogamy. 
Well, what about the connection between people? Well, of course, like I said earlier, and I may have briefly mentioned this, uh, there's a disconnect in polygamous relationships that does not exist as much in monogamy, where a person who has had who has frequent access to multiple sexual partners becomes disconnected emotionally to their relationships. But also what people don't realize is that sex is a very binding, a very uh, emotional and spiritual connecting act, which is why it's better preserved for the institution of marriage and marriage to one person because you, uh, a person who has more than one partner is disconnecting himself or herself from intimacy, from bonding with their partners on an intimate level, uh, emotionally and physically. Once a person starts down that path of having to uh, satisfy more than one person, then they become bored with those people very quickly. And also their relationships suffer with uh, building a building any type of one-on-one bond with another person because if you're consistently if you have consistent access to multiple sex partners building a relationship with one person is really not going to be as easy because that one person is going to be expected to perform with the same experience as the 5 10 15 20 however many people you were intimate with before and that's just impossible so there's unrealistic expectation on the part of a polyamorous and a polygamous person in those relationships. Furthermore, uh, we can't sit and act like jealousy is not a something that doesn't exist in polygamous relationships. Of course, we know they exist in monogamous relationships. If you see your partner talking too much with or flirting with someone, and you get a little jealous, which is only natural. But the thing about the polygamous relationship is that there's no structure. There's no code of ethics that says, well, you can't be with that person because we're uh, committed to one another. There's almost no commitment in a polygamous relationship. So a person can have whoever that person is deciding to to couple with, actually, you know, their rest of their partners just have to deal with it. Um, And as we move into this desire for uh well first off we're we're a culture that screams for instant gratification and consumption as much as we need and as much as we want we're moving toward viewing people more in terms of things meant for our own pleasure rather than what a monogamous relationship requires you to see that person as just a, a person to connect and build with someone to bond with someone to be able to lean in, uh, lean on and trust someone who you connect with in more ways than one physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, of course, sexually goes deeper because you're connecting with that person, both physically with your body and spiritually with your mind. Um, and that right there is a, deeply into that is the the closest that you will ever be to someone so of course in a monogamous relationship when you get that close with someone you're gonna you're connecting with them in a way that uh binds you to them and forms a longer lasting relationship hopefully um now if you're just looking for the intimacy or the sex of it it doesn't matter how which one of these relationships you choose polygamy or monogamy you're never going to be satisfied with 
with the person that you have anyway, or the people that you have anyway. However, that training the mind to go and the body to go numb and killing your emotional connection to other people doesn't happen in monogamy, but in polygamy, it does. Um, There, of course, as we talked about in the beginning, the structure of polygamy goes right back into what we uh, discussed at the opening of this episode. And of course, that is depression, anxiety, um, feelings of loneliness, hopelessness from the interactions with multiple partners. You don't have that in monogamy. In monogamy, you are able to see each per- see that person that you're with for what he or she is. And it, it doesn't, even if it's a bad relationship, it doesn't destroy your ability to connect with another person. People love to champion, oh, well, we're... Uh, monogamy is a rather modern invention and as if that's a reason for us to throw it out the window well so is the car so is electricity so are so many other things like uh, the internet that we use on a day-to-day basis and they've only made our lives better furthermore uh and i i found this one out when men in monogamous countries actually are able to uh bond and and work together in better harmony than men who who practice polygamy because there's less male-to-male competition in a society where each one man gets one wife. Now, if you are in a country where a wealthy man can have four or five wives and you're not wealthy and you two are in the same area or get our tasks to the same um work, which probably wouldn't happen because he'd be your boss anyway, you, the there might be some tension there. Tension over the fact that this man, first off, is your boss too. He has the ability to gain access to people that you have to fight to try to get access to. And three, that creates, uh, even that creates jealousy, envy, and makes the relationship or the bonding for at least that particular circumstance very difficult. What happens in Western nations and nations that promote and practice monogamy is the opposite. Men from different socioeconomic statuses who each have access to and are, and even whether they're whether they're married or not, you don't see as much of that male-to-male competition over women because here um, the way that monogamy is structured into our society creates the space where men who are tasked to the same responsibility are actually able to work together because there's not so much focus and emphasis on who is getting the women and who is not and why he has so many and why I don't have any. And, uh, there's not that there isn't a growing, uh, resentment toward the men with all the women. So I want to ask that since we are a society that is moving for some reason away from monogamy and away from the good that it has, why on earth won't we recognize that? Why not talk to someone in one of these nations that we praise who practice polygamy and find out the ins and outs, the good and the bad, and then see why they are choosing what we're rejecting uh, while we're ready to throw it away. And 
of course, the most important reason why I say that monogamy is better than polygamy is the lowered risk of contracting sexually, uh, sexually transmitted diseases. I actually had this discussion with my girls last night because I do have teenagers and we were discussing uh, the topic of AIDS and HIV and sexually transmitted diseases. One thing that has been proven time and again is that the more sexual partners a person has, the higher his or her risk to contracting a various STDs and even uh, contracting HIV, which of course is the germ of the virus that leads to AIDS in extreme cases. And while we do have preventative ways of lowering our risk for that, the best way is to lower the number of sexual partners that you have. While we here in the U.S. love to champion or are growing to champion this idea of excess in every form, especially sex, because we have become a society that is obsessed with sex with no consequences, which is part of the reason why people are very, actually, for me, the real reason why people are uh, mad about the overturn of Roe versus Wade, they hide behind the medical process of it. The uh, They hide behind the medical conditions like um, ectopic pregnancy or a non-viable pregnancy to say, well, women are going to die because they don't have access to abortion, um, which if you read the history of abortion in this nation and what the exceptions, you'll find out that that is a lot. But we have become a society that is used to sex and access to sex, sex on demand with no consequences. And of course, part of that is the part of the consequences is not just unwanted pregnancies, but transmitted diseases. We act as if like condoms and are a cure all for uh, preventing sexually transmitted diseases. That's not the case. But what's even worse is in the percentage of men that do not even want to wear them in the first place. Um, and that, that is, is what scares me. Um, but anyway, we know that the more sexual partners a person has, the higher rate, the higher chance that he or she has of developing a disease. The bit, one of the best ways to prevent catching and even spreading disease is for each one person to have one person, one partner, strictly one person that he or she has sex with. And that boils over into building a more firm, more sustainable, a healthy relationship, preferably uh, building into marriages and staying committed to that partner. Now, what happens in what we want or what the larger society is asking for is a person is supposed to have access to multiple partners, but then still sleep with um, and be with their the original however many partners that they had before. And that creates a space of infest, infection from disease or the higher risk of. That is something that we don't want to deal with. We don't want to deal with things like AIDS and HIV. We don't want to deal with gonorrhea, super gonorrhea at this point. We don't want to deal with um, hepatitis. We don't want to deal with uh, syphilis. We don't want to deal with all these things. We act as if those things don't exist. And it's very 
It's a very childish concept of, well, if I ignore it, then it'll go away, or it won't happen to me until it actually happens to you. We don't, we act like HPV doesn't exist. We, I mean, it's just so many things that are wrong that we, uh, we don't consider the consequences of what we're asking for when we start championing for, um, what we feel is a better alternative to monogamy. If you want a healthy, uh, close bonded uh, relationship, especially that turns into a marriage. If you want safe, if you want access to healthy, um, healthy sexual relations with then, and of course what, you know, you want a foundation built on trust and security and a deep emotional connection the best option for that is monogamy monogamy if you want a relationship that is less like that operates in a society that has less rates of poverty and violence and of course that doesn't um that doesn't restrict the rights of women then you want a champion for monogamy but if you want all that other stuff and you can have it just you have to accept the consequences that go along with it I don't think that people wholly understand that, but you know, they, when they start to get what they ask for and they see the negative side of it, then they only have themselves to blame. Anyway, my name is Lady T. Thank you for joining me and join me on Friday for an all new episode of Consensus Pod. Have a good evening.